Entrepreneurs Will Save the World. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. My guest today is Andy McDowell. Andy's an engineer by trade and a creative by nature. He spent 22 years with the Boeing company where he always felt more like a life coach than a boss. In 2002, he began his journey into entrepreneurship within the corporation when he was asked to develop an airspace design consulting business from scratch that would serve the global government market. Andy McDowell and Robert have an interesting conversation about air traffic control and the ideas that serve business in redesign and challenging existing structures. Andy shares how he helps leaders and entrepreneurs discover their value and learn how to apply it to their work. Well, Andy, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Just uh, looking forward to having a great conversation and, and sharing about your journey and your wisdom. Thanks, Robert. Great to be here. Uh, uh, looking forward to the conversation. So obviously you're an aerospace engineer type that uh, has jumped out into the entrepreneurial space. And so let's uh, let's just start with, with that part of your journey. Uh, well, my my entrepreneurial journey has taken on many flavors, <laughs> you know, sort of the chocolate chip, strawberry, vanilla, if you will, of uh, entrepreneurship. I came out of grad school with work, working for two entrepreneurial companies, you know, as an employee. And then one of those got acquired by this big behemoth called Boeing, <laughs> uh, in which I was then tasked to be an entrepreneur within a large corporation to start a business from scratch, uh, build a consulting service for governments uh, within the, uh, the Boeing business to help them bring GPS into air and flight operations um, and ground operations. <clears throat> and then after 22 years of service, I uh, got laid off with thousands of other employees because of the 737 MAX crisis and uh, took the opportunity to um, Become an entrepreneur myself. I had wanted to do that after 30 years with the company. I only made it to 22, but uh, decided to go full time. Set up what my original plans were to go part time after 30 years. So it's been an interesting journey to do that, uh, starting five months before a pandemic hits uh, the world. <laughs> right. Perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wish I had some tea leaves that would have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> you and you and about uh, eight billion others. Eight hey, billion other people, exactly, exactly. Oh. <laughs> so, I just got to ask about the the projects because I saw that you got to work on pretty high profile projects with um, air, helping airports prepare for the Olympic Games. Um, those two things had to be pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I got some incredible war stories, uh, so to speak, from those. So what you're alluding to is um, 
my team was uh, asked to help the Chinese government prepare the Beijing capital airport for um, their summer Olympics in 2008. And they were looking to add a third parallel runway and a second control tower, um, along with uh, a huge brand new terminal building for international flights. Um, a couple years before the Olympic games were coming and needed some help in all kinds of things from bringing GPS into their flight routes, into the, um, into the airport to figuring out when to use runways for departures, when to use them for, uh, take, uh, for, uh, landings, what's the proper mix given the, the demand load that's being put on the airport and those kinds of technical things. And our work enabled them to become the second busiest airport behind, uh, the U S is Atlanta airport. Uh, within a year or two after all that work. Um, and because we did that work within Lane and a project to help the Russian government get Sochi Airport ready for the Winter Olympics in 2014, it's a whole different dynamic. Two runways that uh, were shaped in like a V with high terrain immediately to the east of the airport. So the air traffic only came in all over the Black Sea. So you had to... Uh, hold takeoffs to allow departures to come in. And when you cleared enough of the airspace, then you could launch aircraft in the same direction over the Black Sea to get them uh, out of the airport and into the airspace. Much like what Aspen, Colorado, in your neck of the woods has to do um, by nature of their airport being in a bowl and only one way in and one way out into the airport for an airplane. So it's very much like their operation. That's that's pretty amazing projects anyway. That that obviously added to um, to your skill set. Um, mm -hmm. Your your company drive your 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 name and and, and mine have value in common. So I love mm -hmm. I, I love that idea. Um, and so so share with me about generate value and and where that generate your value and where where that grew out of. Uh, for me, the word value is, um, in aviation terms is at the hundred thousand foot level, you know, at high altitude, cause it covers so many different things. Cause there's different types of value in the world. There's physical value, emotional value, spiritual value, relationship value. You know, we could sit here and have an hour conversation <laughs> on just the different forms and flavors that value, um, comes in, but they're all extremely important in life and in business. So where, where's your, you know, generate your value comes from, where's your focus in life? How, how are you bringing joy and happiness and success into your life? And, uh, you know, studies have shown and examples have shown that when you can live a life of service and be outwardly focused and generating value in the world, whether you're a painter at selling paintings to, you know, a spouse in a relationship, trying to raise kids, um, to a manufacturer that's building a product that people are going to use in everyday lives, like automobiles or something of that nature. Uh, are you focused and centered on those type things in your life such that you're actually generating value in the world instead of extracting it? Ooh, nice. Right. You, 
We, we always generate and extract value every single day. The question is, are you only extracting value and not generating value anywhere within the world in all those shapes and sizes that we just talked about um, or, or not? Love that. I mean, obviously, the, the, the goal would be hopefully to, to generate more than you extract, right? And to exactly to, in my exactly. mind, you know, in, in my terms, it's you know, adding value, right? Adding value to other human beings, adding value mm -hmm. to the world, and, and, and leaving it as a, as, as a positive <laughs> impact versus um, subtracting energy and taking things away. So, that, that idea of generating, of I think, of, of creating and creativity. How does creativity connect to to value? Uh, that was going to be my, ne my next point was that uh, creativity is the engine for generating value in the world. And we're, we are, all of us have creativity inside ourselves. The question is, are you unleashing it out into the world? Or are you letting fear, shame, judgment, uh, not good enough, kind of thinking inside your head that's not allowing you to maximize the amount of creativity you have in a day. Uh, so my, my thought is as soon as your feet hits the floor, getting out of bed in the morning, you become a creative animal. And what kind of, what kind of day are you going to create for yourself? You know, when you, when you make dinner for yourself, you're using a creative thought, creative engine, if you will, uh, to create an, a, a food experience for yourself. And so whenever I encounter somebody who says, no, I'm not a creative person, <laughs> I just start laughing and chuckling and going, you got it so wrong. You got it so wrong. You're a very creative person inside. You just haven't brought it outside yourself because for me, creativity is a journey. Uh, you don't have to be Van Gogh in five minutes. It's about it's a muscle, just like your emotions are, is a, is a muscle and what are you doing every day to exercise that muscle to keep it strong and keep it vibrant and allows you to do things uh, in your life and in the world? Well, there's so many, I think there's so many people that we've come to this understanding when we separated the arts and the sciences that, that the creatives live in, in the art space and, mm -hmm. and, and they're creating poetry and paintings and, and these, these drawings and they're the Picassos and the, the Van Goghs and those are those that don't have those things feel like, well, I'm not an artist, so I must be a scientist or I must be this. And so I'm not a quote unquote creative. And I think it's a, it's done damage to, to the creative faculty that each of us is endowed with. <laughs> and, and I think, like you said, everybody's a creative, whether you, you know, you're creating bacon and eggs for breakfast or you're, you know, creating a business plan or, and, and so I, I think we need more creative exercise. I like how you put that, you know, it's a muscle that needs development. It needs exercise. And so how do you exercise your creative muscle? Or how do you help clients exercise and, and just believe that they even have a creative muscle? <laughs> well, for myself, I consider myself a very creative person. Um, I've been a singer since I was a teenager. I picked up the guitar about five or six years ago. I've been teaching myself, uh, gotten myself to a point where I play rhythm guitar in a praise band at my church, uh, along with the singing. I've been a photographer um, since teenagehood as well. I was a sports photographer for the high school newspaper, yearbook, the local paper, learned how to 
developed my own black and white film back in the day uh, from that perspective. So uh, if you've been listening, I keep saying I've taught myself, right? So I have a lot of self-confidence that if I see it as a journey and put the time and dedication into it, I can have a level of success in whatever it is that I do um, from that perspective. Um, so that's what I try and teach my clients about creativity is that it's, it's a journey. Uh, I'm a firm, well, I said that uh, cre um, creativity is a muscle. We're all inherently born with it. Um, but I'm a firm believer that the catalyst or the energy behind it is love. Mm. So if you have love for yourself and love for the world and you can live in that state, then you don't care about what others think. You, you, you stand a better chance of seeing it as a journey and um, a willingness to take that journey knowing um, when you're born as a child and you're learning to walk, right? That, that's a journey. <laughs> you see mom and dad doing it and you're like, uh, I guess I'm supposed to be doing that somehow. So I'm going to get up and take a step and fall down and I'm going to get up again and take a step and fall down and I'm going to get up again and take two steps and fall down. And eventually you're, you're sort of teeter tottering your way around and you can do 20 steps before you fall down. And eventually it just becomes nature to yourself. And so uh, you got to have that kind of mindset to say, I think I have a love and a passion for painting never done it before, but I'm going to go buy the, the white canvas and an easel and some paints. And uh, what I paint in the first day is going to look awful, you know, by the eyes of people that have seen the Van Goghs and whatever in the world. But the, the idea here is that I actually did it. I had an experience with it. I'm finding out whether I truly do love it and I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep building that muscle and building that muscle and see how far I can take myself with it. Well, some, so, somewhere along the way, we, we get this idea that, that that falling down is is bad, right? And that, and that, that falling mm -hmm. down is fatal. And and so we we hold ourselves back from those those trials and the idea of getting the 10,000 hours, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. to, to, to become um, efficient at something. And so so many people hold themselves back because of that that failure label that idea that that well if i can't do it perfect the first time and that includes the idea of, of starting a business or or sending out you know the the perfect sales script or i mean all the things that we have to do as entrepreneurs in business there's a lot of people that hold themselves back from those creative endeavors um, because either they're perfectionist which is just a form of procrastination or that fear of failure is so strong that, that they've lost that that idea of, you know, a child falls down and never thinks about not getting back up, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we as entrepreneurs need to make our sales calls with that same kind of, same kind of attitude, right? Just because somebody says no doesn't mean that I'm not going to pick up the phone and just make another call and just make another call and just make another call. The same as a child never, never once considers not getting up. Yeah, so I love the phrase that says um, it's not a failure to you quit. 
And if you have a if you have a growth mindset and see it as a as an opportunity for yourself and not a failure, right? It's an opportunity to learn something, learn something about yourself, learn something about the world, or some part of the world. Um, from that nature, then you inherently or innately are not going to necessarily quit when you fall off your horse, right? It's like, okay, fell off my horse. Uh, what do I think I did wrong? Or what piece of information didn't I have then that I do now through the process of falling off my horse that I can now use in doing the approach to whatever I was doing slightly different? And that still may lead me uh, to fall off the horse again because I still don't have the complete set of information I need or lessons that I need to find success. But if I if I walk in and say uh, I only got one shot at this, and if I fall off my horse, then I quit, and then it becomes a failure from that from that perspective. So. Firm believer in life overall, let alone with business or anything that you're doing. Mindset is a huge issue in your ability to find uh, joy, happiness, and success in your life. Mm. And, and how you look at how how you look at things. Absolutely, I think you know the stories we tell ourselves are are so powerful, and and we don't give ourselves credit for the creativity force within those stories, within the words that we're using. And, and I think we need to be reminded of our creative ability to create our day it starts mm -hmm. with creating our attitude and, and that belief and attitude in those words um, become powerful creation tools, right? All, all the things around, I, I talk about all the time, humans are the most blessed and creative. Everything around you is created by another human. Right. The desk mm -hmm. you're sitting at, the devices you're using to hear or listen to or watch this this program, the the table, the chair, the car you drove in on, the radio, the the books, all of that has been created by human beings. And it started out as an idea in their mind mm -hmm. first. And then that idea was brought into reality through their actions. Uh, and and for me, for me, that's just incredible. It's I mean, you know, when I see an airplane flying and obviously we've had the opportunity to, to fly in lots and lots of them all over the world. And it's still, I'm still in awe <laughs> that, so that, I. that humanity so has I. done something so incredible <laughs> and they get better and better and, and fly further and faster. And like, I mean, getting on a 13 hour flight and my brain is going, how on earth can this thing carry enough fuel to get that far? And, and, you know, keep five, you know, 400 people up in the air for 13 hours. It's, it's amazing to me. And of course, think back to the Indiana Jones days and, and, you know, the airplanes could, <laughs> could barely, you know, barely get across the ocean at the time with, mm -hmm. you know, with the fuel load. And so it's, it's incredible to me what the human brain is capable of and that my brain is just as capable as all those other brains that have created these things. And that's the thing that the message that I want people to hear yeah, is that you're, it's your creative. It's uh, once again going back to mindset. It's about an abundance mindset as opposed to a fixed or, or limited mindset. Uh, there's still problems in the world that need to be solved. 
So, so somebody's got to solve them. Why is it? Why is it not you? Oh, so good. So you mentioned confidence and and your ability to teach yourself. I think that's mm-hmm. that's such an important gift that we have, right? The ability to read books, the ability to watch YouTube videos, the ability. And then there's, of course, the the commitment piece in there, but a desire for for lifelong learning and and the confidence to believe in in yourself a little bit. So tell me a little bit about developing that confidence. Uh, Well, I think it's uh, for me, it's the love of two words, curiosity and and why. Right. So, to, you know, going back to your example, uh, uh, airplanes flying, you know, uh, I love to go to air shows and I'll watch a C5A Galaxy Air Force, huge cargo plane go flying by. And you're just like, it's a huge piece of metal. And you're saying to yourself, how does that thing stay up in the air uh, or, or a giant aircraft carrier? Why does that thing not sink into the ocean as big, as big and as much metal as there is in it? If you if you get curious and ask the question why you come to understand it's uh, one or a couple simple scientific equations that it boils down to you know for aircraft it's the Bernoulli principle uh, that airflow air over a particular shaped wing creates higher air pressure underneath the wing than it does above the wing and that's how you get lift and the, the question is then how heavy is the equipment that's flying through the air and can you get enough lift through the air current flowing over the wing to get, to get this heavy object to fly. Um, But it all boils down to, um, you know, I had the opportunity last summer to go to the outer banks in North Carolina for the first time and had a dream come true to be able to go to kill devil Hills and see, where two guys who were, had a lot of curiosity about flight failed and failed and failed and failed uh, uh, a lot of times before they finally got this thing called an airplane into the air to fly for 200 feet. Uh, amazing. From, from, from that perspective, right? But, you know, a lot of people are scratching their head and going, leave it to the birds. Well, the humans will never be able to fly and saying, no. I'm curious if we can find a way for, for human beings to fly. We're going to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying until we figure this thing out. And so do you think and act like a child that comes into the world and, and looks around the world for the first time and it's just so curious. It's why they're grabbing things and stick it in their, in their mouth, even though it's not really meant to go in their mouth because they're trying from a sensory perspective to, be curious about what what the heck is this thing that's sitting six inches from me, right? Uh, can we take that kind of mindset, if you will, into the adult world? We know not to put those things in our mouth anymore. We learned that lesson. But what else in, in, in life can be curious about and learn new things and live a life of uh, constant learning through life? Oh, love that. I think I think one of the things that adults do, and, and we don't do it on purpose, but is – is we kill the impossible, right? We we mm-hmm. plant the seeds of, oh, that can't be done. Oh, that's impossible. Rather than cultivating possibility, right? Like just just the idea of, you know, my grandson says, you know, hey, grandpa, there's the moon. I want to sleep on the moon. And and instead of saying, well, that's not possible, mm-hmm. I want to I encourage him and I want to say, well, how do we get there, 
right? And his first idea is we tie some ladders together. And the second idea is we get a rope and we pull it down. And I, and so it's just, it's too easy to, to kill dreams, to kill ideas. Um, so many people listening to this, I know they've gotten an idea in their head. And, and the first thing that happens is their brain says, well, you can't do that. And they allow that first thought to, to kill their dream rather than coming up with the question, right? The curiosity of, well, what if I could? And that changes everything. <laughs> the power yeah, well, of curiosity is so strong. Well, let's take it to the business world, right? So you have a typical business that's full of uh, an organizational structure, um, a culture, which is kind of hard to put your finger on it like a process, but a, a culture, um, processes, um, machines, capital items, and so forth. It's a very structured environment with which to be able to produce the product or service. So it's very regimented and structured. But yet we're saying for innovation, we need this environment that's very bottom foundation is love. And then it's built up to creativity. And we need to put people in a non-structured kind of environment to keep that that energy and that innovation um, going. And you're almost seeing two things on opposite ends, right? We need the bureaucracy, if you will, the structure, the processes to keep producing, uh, generating the value with a set product or service that we're constantly doing today. But yet we need the opposite kind of environment for innovation and creativity and just throwing ideas out on the table and bantering them back and forth and looking at the possible instead of the impossible. Uh, and I think that's a challenge that small businesses, big businesses, any kind of business faces is how can we uh, have both environments coexist with each other uh, so that we can have a free-flowing, innovative side and out pops ideas that we think have a great business model and have a lot of viability. Now, over to you guys with your structures and processes and figure out a way to take this idea and actually make it reality within that environment uh, to offer to the marketplace. And some people do, some companies do that well and some don't. Um, right. But I think you but I think you have to you have to recognize that they're totally two different environments that can't coexist within each other very well. And how how can you I, I don't know create some kind of barrier or something that allows one culture to exist over here that's very free flowing idea, creative muscles going, sitting with your customers and brainstorming ideas and so forth and pop out that impact impossible idea and put enough meat on the bone that you can then throw it over the wall, so to speak, and <laughs> incoming, you know, uh, uh, idea and, you know, product managers or whatnot can grab those and start noodling on them and refine them to the point where you can go in front of an executive board and say, yeah. here's an idea that we've talked to with customers and so forth. And we think has a lot of viability. Here's the business model. Here's the numbers behind it. Here's what we think the return on investment is. And we need some capital dollars, if you will, infusion from you guys to go make it happen. Um, and it's difficult to, to put those two environments into one product management kind of environment and, and have it work because the 
the mindset and the conversation and the culture and so forth all need to be very different. But both are necessary. Ultimately, mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah, just yeah. like just like we need the infrastructure of our highways and 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 automobiles to to exist for you know for commerce to happen. And then of course now we need you know airports and airlines and schedules and <laughs> all of those structures and processes. And yet mm -hmm. at the same time need space for creating that next you know. 787 not max and <laughs> you know whatever whatever the next creative level is that, yeah. that that takes it you know more efficient and or faster or all of those things using and, drones as air taxis uh, yeah exactly the who knows what or delivery services mm -hmm. <laughs> you know all of those create what 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 the people in the infrastructure and using the old traditional ways are looking at going, well, that's crazy. That'll never work. Right. But yet we still need those people. <laughs> and the best companies are the ones that can figure out how to have the both dynamics, you know, functioning at the same time. I think obviously the Googles and the apples have, have figured out how to have those coexisting. And, and obviously Boeing in a way has had, you know, a creative department, you know, creating the next generation at the same time as mm -hmm. the, the manufacturing side, building the traditional, you know, and then and then slowly crossing over. And so obviously both are really, really important. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. One of the, the things you have a focus on words, we mentioned the power of words in your own mind. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some important words that individuals can can focus on in their lives? Um, so some of my favorites are uh, intention, uh, introspection. Um, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, so the, the whole why, how, what model I use constantly uh, in my coaching, um, as well as two words that are probably one, one of them is probably in every sentence that we speak or close to it. And those are the words and and or, um, which has a lot to do with mindset. Um, or, or denotes that you have to make a choice. It's one or the other, right? Um, are we going to go eat Chinese or Mexican? We have to pick one. Uh, whereas and is saying that there's a possibility that two conditions can exist um, or more. You have a bunch of ands uh, in a row can can exist and exist in such a way that benefit can come. Some level of benefit can come to all those stakeholders that participate um, in that. And, you know, it sounds like a a technical discussion around those two words, but the reality is when you, when you throw them over to the mindset possibility, it's, um, I've had a number of occasions in, in my business world where 
back in the Boeing days where we, we you know, the whole phrase win-win is a, is an and statement. You can win and I can win. We can find ways of getting benefit on both sides. And by nature, what I was doing within Boeing, that was a, a huge core issue because um, airlines always wanted efficiency of operation, whereas air traffic control is always dealing with capacity. Being the, being the sheriff that's managing the single asset called airspace and having to, to manage all airplanes that are in the airspace, they're all about capacity, whereas airlines is all about the efficiency of a single flight, right? How do I reduce uh, the amount of time in the air and therefore the fuel burn and getting an airplane from point A to point B? And the two don't necessarily mix. You know, the best solution on efficiency may cause all kinds of capacity headaches for an air traffic controller and, and vice versa. You might get a great capacity equation for air traffic control, but on the efficiency side for a flight crew in an airplane, it may be a nightmare. <laughs> and so I, I had the pleasure of uh, myself and my team helped the FAA to get together with a number of airlines in Denver of all places, uh, who was trying to bring GPS into flight operations and was falling off the horse all the time. And so we got a bunch of airline people in a room with a bunch of FAA people in a room and facilitated a conversation. And the first part of the conversation was, what's the common enemy here? Where where do we find the win-win between this? And the answer is, how do we do this in such a way that the airlines get as much efficiency as possible, whereas air traffic control has a lot of flexibility in the operation to maximize the capacity as much as it can, depending on what level of demand is in that hour of the day. And what it enabled us to do was to put uh, flight crews and pilots in the air traffic control centers and watch what controllers do and controllers got into flight simulators and watch what pilots do trying to fly a, a flight procedure that was designed by the FAA. And each side began to understand what the other side had to do um, in their work to make whatever their commands were, or their desires were on their side happen. And so you had a lot of education start going on and all of a sudden light bulbs were going on, on on each side, now understanding what the other side had to deal with. And now you could have conversations across the table about, okay, we were thinking about doing this. What does that do to your efficiency and your workload in the cockpit? So now you're asking the right questions and it's a negotiation back and forth, back and forth until you find that sweet spot of getting max on both sides as much as you can and finding the win-win. And it became what we did in Denver became a model for the FAA to use to go to other cities to totally redesign the airspace in a major metropolitan area uh, with a lot of effectiveness and a lot of pride on both sides and, and a much better understanding of what each side has to deal with in their day-to-day -day operations. And it just, it's a three letter word and, but if you it's, use it as a mindset and a, a business model, it has a lot of power behind it. Absolutely. Uh, it, has, it has to be fueled by the, by, by the mindset. It, and, and obviously that, that explanation you were just giving that example is, was really about, they each needed to 
walk in the shoes of the other for for mm -hmm. enough time to know what what each party so so the win-win could come about because there was an understanding of of each other's positions and challenges mm -hmm. and, and and i think so many businesses can get short-sighted and and they're stuck with these blinders on and they don't think about the yes and right the, the, the there's an improv rule in in an improv comedy the answer is always yes and <laughs> yes can, and when somebody passes yeah. the passes the baton to you you cannot just say no <laughs> you because you'll stop the whole bit you'll ruin the whole storyline so it's always yes and 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 i think in business we need to adopt the idea right the mindset of yes and how do we make it a win-win how do we find the value for both parties in the process um and and it does take some work right it's not all the, the yes and is not always obvious it it requires no, it takes to, more work. It takes right. a lot more communication. And it's like um, uh, I heard in one of the interviews that you did, I listened to today that you're an energy guy, right? So I'm an energy guy as well. Uh, and when you look at love and fear, love is a, is a much higher energy, much higher frequency than what fear is. So therefore, it takes more work, more energy to stay at that state. And you could you could take the words in and or and be in the same way. Or it takes a lot less energy. You just make one choice and you move on. It's like a fork in the road. Where are we going to go left? We're going to go right. We're going to go right. Okay. Decision made. Moving on. Whereas and is uh, if it's an and and we're win win, then we need a whole lot of work, and conversation, and money spent, like we did with this uh, project that I outlined to try and understand each other and try and find uh, where the uh, the and works. We can have this and that at a maximum level, but it takes a lot of questions, understanding, curiosity, et cetera, before we can find where that sweet spot is. Um, just like what love is. Love is complex. and <laughs> Right. But the benefits. Yeah, it takes a lot more work. Yeah. The benefits on the yeah. backside is obviously better relationships, better, you know, longer term potential and, and all of those things that come from. <laughs> And they're longer lasting. You go ask air traffic controllers now. So the, the term for GPS in the aviation world is called RNAV, which stands for radio navigation. Um, and you can walk into any control center now. Uh, the FAA has in the controller would say, don't you dare take my RNAV away. <laughs> of course. The, right? I mean, the, the, truth previous is the previous attitude was it's not broken. So why do we need to fix it? It's been working this way for 50 years. And it's like, well, because there's much better benefits to show up if you do all this work. And now they understand what those benefits are with decreased workload, higher levels of navigational accuracy, more capacity in the system and so forth and so well, on. Just the, the idea that they don't, they know about every plane that's coming from the minute it takes off rather than waiting until it hits their outer marker and, oh, there's a plane there. Oh, there's a plane there. Oh, <laughs> oh so you, you speak a little aviation, do you? So um, just, just barely, just enough to know the difference. And, uh, Okay. Why, can, why? Why you can tell the customers inside the terminal, yeah. hey, that plane's arriving at this time, so your plane's twenty minutes well, delayed because yeah, now, now, now we know from the time it's off the ground till the time it's going to land exactly when it's it's going to down to the second they know when that plane's going to hit the runway, where they used to get into the outer marker and go around in circles and wait for a time to 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 get on the ground, and of course the of course the air traffic controllers we're the most stressed out people on the planet because mm -hmm. these planes all show up at the auto marker at the same exact time. 
and they all have to be coordinated. Now they're coordinated three hours before they even get there. And they, they literally line up and just whoop, 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 land in order like a deck of cards in a shuffle. And so it's a lot less complicated. <laughs> and so I was a big proponent of uh, trying to share data across um, countries' borders. So what you were talking about is, is what I called a, a, a proactive culture. I know when that airplane is leaving, I know roughly the amount of time it'll take to get from uh, Chicago to Miami. Uh, and therefore, I, I could, with, with a pretty high accuracy, we'll know what time that airplane starts coming into my terminal airspace for landing. And, and now I can throw that into a demand equation about how much demand I'm going to have with airplanes coming in and have an opportunity to ask an airplane that's still two hours out, um, can you decrease your speed by five knots? It doesn't seem a whole lot, five knots, but that five knot difference over two hours will have you coming into my airspace where I have a, a little bit less demand and therefore a little more capacity and I can do things with your flight to bring more efficiency to, to your, um, to your landing, uh, which is not what it was like 50 years ago where somebody was taking a threat and, hey, George, and throwing it across the room, you know, because it's now entering George's airspace sector and his radar scope. And it was reactive. I didn't deal with anything until some some dude across the room threw a flight strip at me. <laughs> well, even, even 20 years ago, the planes would come into airports and they'd go around in a circle and they'd wait. Yeah. And now how well, much fuel do they save just by simply – slow down even one knot and mm -hmm. get into line and the planes literally fly to an airport and they go straight down onto the runway yep. and that efficiency alone saves you know fuel time all of those things um and and obviously technology is has helped advance those things but you can see the resistance to technology in every sector and and once they get it they're like well why didn't we have this all along and yeah, so, and you can imagine when I was asked to start this this business, this consulting uh, service within Boeing, we had had Garmin's in cars for at least five years, <laughs> you know, giving giving road directions and whatnot. So uh, aviation is sort of like the medical industry where it takes forever for new technology to come in because people's lives uh, are at stake with it. So it has to go through a lot of safety checks and concerns and certifications and those kinds of things before it becomes uh, operational in reality. Hmm. Obviously we were heavily involved in those type things. And, and that's really important. <laughs> we don't want to just throw something up there and see if it sticks until <laughs> we know that people are going to be safe in the process. So you mentioned uh, Simon Sinek and, and, and love obviously the, the why, what, mm -hmm. and how, um, let, let's dig into those just a little bit when it comes to sure. ownership, comes to business. Um, so one of the biggest items, uh, particularly if you listen to a lot of my, my podcast episodes, um, and is a big platform for Generate Your Value, is uh, the overlap between life and business uh, for me is huge. It's a lot of overlap between the two. And, and the biggest reason of that is because they both involve human beings. Um, but when it comes to the why, how, what, uh, I believe everybody has a why, how, what, as well as every business has a why, how, what. 
And the key to uh, finding a great team to work for your company is finding people whose why, how, what's closely aligned with that why, how, what of the company uh, and what it's trying to do out, out in, in the world. Um, so it's important, uh, but you'll never un understand that unless the person uh, has an intentional life, is introspective and has done the done the work to try and understand what the what the why how what of their life is and that's why i um as you saw in my bio um i felt more like a life coach than a boss it is trying to help people discover the, their why how what's in life and how we can use that within the why how what of boeing or whoever i was working for at the time and um find out where there's alignment and synergies between the two and therefore creates a great environment and culture for the person to be successful and, um, and grow and so forth so um it took me a while to sort of discover that for myself and i actually wrote a life plan for myself that was built off i didn't know it at the time it wasn't after i read simon's book I went back to my life plan and went back and go, uh, I said to myself, there's the why section, there's the how section, and there's the what section. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've already aligned with Simon's thinking from, from that perspective, but that I, I've developed a set of um, business strategy tools that you can, with some minor tweaks, turn around and help somebody develop a life strategy for themselves. Um, and it's a lot of that basis, uh, particularly the beginning parts, is trying to find the why, how, what of their life from that perspective, uh, which is something that uh, I like to say to people when you're in the valleys of your business or in the valleys of life, the why, how, what is your oak tree that you can hang on to while the, uh, the thunder and lightning's going on, the wind is blowing, or whatever you're facing in your life at that moment, you can hold on to that oak tree while, while you. Uh, get yourself through the storm, so to speak. And then once the storm goes away, you can climb yourself out of the ditch. <laughs> well, and I think that's the challenge is so many people haven't done the, the, the why work, right? They, no, they, 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 they feel like they don't have a purpose or they, they don't feel a purpose. And yet it's that disconnection between what they're doing and their purpose inside of them that that's causing them to feel that way. And so, well, it, 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 for me, it's that they don't, they haven't done the work to figure out the why, how, what to find joy, happiness, and success in your life. There are probably millions of people out in the world that you ask them, what's their why? Uh, my why is holding down a job so I can have a roof over my head and food on the table and uh, can afford the car payments and just, you know, get through this thing called life. Um, and joy, happiness, and that's, success that's slavery. Is, 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 a, is the little cherry on the top. If I happen to get that, it's the cherry on the top, as opposed to it being the main basis of the cake, uh, so to speak. And I'm going to do the introspection and figure out what I need to do from a life strategy to make make that the, the bulk of the cake instead of a little cherry on top, right? Absolutely. And I, and I, I think the challenge is, I, I feel like it's kind of like the, the love idea that, that, you know, there's just one perfect person for you in the whole world. And, and, mm -hmm. and people get caught up with the Hollywood perfect, you know, the perfect storyline versus, versus the idea that within you is this 
is this pathway, right? You you talked about it being a journey, the journey of mm-hmm. the why, how, what, and and it, it's probably got a couple lanes on it that that are all within your boundary, right? Within within those those guardrails, you've got these options <laughs> that that fit your your why, and and so helping people d- discover that purpose and feel purposeful in their in, in their long term thinking in their in their fit for the world. I think each of us was created with something inside of us to help other humans in, in some way. And for somebody that's a plumber for others, it's, you know, building a house and, and, mm-hmm. and for others, it's coaching and, and, and guiding and leading. And, and of course, politicians and all of those things, you know, but, but for people to really dig down into it and just own that purpose and then find the way to, like you said, the, the how and the what to, to impact the world with it is so valuable. Uh, so two things come to mind. One of my favorite subjects to talk with people is about, let's go back to words again. We talked about in and or, let's talk about be, do, and have, <laughs> right? So if I were to throw out joy and happiness uh, and ask a room full of people and say, okay, joy and happiness, how many in this room feel like that's a destination? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Right. So that, that is the um, do have be model. I'm going right. to do these things, do these things in the world, which then allows me to have these toys and then I arrive at this destination of being, which is successful, right? You know, I get to drive around my Ferrari and I got the 18 room mansion on the hill that everybody gets to see and so forth and so on. That's the destination. Or is joy, happiness, and success a lifestyle, a way of being, a way that I live my life while I go along this journey? There's that word again, journey of life that's that's the the be do have model right i'm going to be i'm going to be this way in the world and align what i do in the world with uh, that aligns with the way i want to be in this world and then guess what i get to have joy happiness and success surround me all the time in my life and and it may not even involve a ferrari (laughs) may not right May may not it may, but it, but it may not. But it's my definition of success, right? Uh, well, recognizing to, that I get to is... I get to enjoy the journey as I go along in that model, as opposed to uh, nose to the grindstone of do 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 what? do do running over the tops of people and whatnot to then make all this money to have these things, and then I can be a certain way in the world. Well, I'm a. I'm a firm advocate of the journey. And I tell people all the time, if you're not happy on the journey you're on, you're on the wrong bus. <laughs> exactly. Get, exactly. And, and and you can pull the cord and the bus will stop and you can get off mm-hmm. and you can change the journey because yeah, we've got this idea that you know, they've arrived, right? Oh, oh, they've arrived. And, and there's no, there's no destination. There's no end game that the only place we all end up is death. And if that's the place that you're working towards, that's not a very <laughs> fulfilling journey. And so you've got to enjoy the journey. You've got to find the joy in the daily activities of, of, of what you're doing. And, and I love that. And it really is about be right. I need to be the person that's capable of doing the thing that I want to do so that I can mm-hmm. have the things that I want to have. 
and and helping people put that in the right order and focus on the being. It's just like if you want this great marriage and this great relationship and you're all caught up in all the details about what this partner needs to have rather than focusing on who you need to be so that you can do Attract the right those. relationship. Exactly. You'll pull all. That's the great thing about this is as soon as you start being that person, you are on the vibrational frequency of that. And guess what happens? You start attracting all of that stuff to you. The universe is waiting for you to do that. God is waiting to give that to you. And so mm -hmm. many people believe that, well, God's God doesn't like me and he's not on my side. And rather than believing that, no, God created you for this. He put that little seed of purpose, that little why within you. And once you tap into it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to throw fuel on the fire because mm -hmm. he's for you. He wants the very best. He created you for the very best. And you have to believe that he created you for the very best. And he wants the very best for you. And he's going to give it all to you once you're prepared for it. Yeah, you can even translate it uh, or or relate it to masculine and feminine energies. Absolutely. Right? So B, B is a feminine energy and doing is a masculine energy. And... Uh, it doesn't matter what your gender is. You have both energies within within yourself. Obviously, one is core and the other is non-core. Um, but it's a great life hack if you can figure out. Uh, for us two guys, it's 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 the feminine energy. And what do we do in the build that feminine uh, connection-oriented energy to connect with your spouse or to connect with um, other people in an appropriate way? And... Uh, you know, for the for the ladies out there, it's a little bit more work to to be single focused, doing uh, type activities. They, they have to pull on the, their masculine energy or masculine side. Um, from that perspective, so let's it's talk about a little... that, that shift that that can happen for the mindset. And for me, it's it's gratitude, and and gratitude can is one of those vibrational energy changers right instant instantaneously mm -hmm. can switch that energy around tell, tell me about gratitude working in your life uh well like it for any other human being it's a challenge <laughs> <laughs> it's something i have to remind myself every day you know you have something that doesn't go your way and have to ask yourself how can i flip this in a way that gratitude is the main thought instead of the lower energy um, that brings about fear, worry, or those, those type things. So it's, um, it's a practice. It's a practice. It's one, one to acknowledge that it's very important in your life. And, and two, it helps you to be in that higher vibrational energy that's based in love. It takes more work, uh, to be up at that level, uh, in a mindset. And then, uh, then it becomes a practice, um, much like the discipline you, you, you have to be able to get through your day. I mean, what does your morning, your afternoons, your evenings look like that you do on a repeated basis that becomes a practice or a discipline in your life? Same thing for gratitude. And it helps to keep you at a, at a higher um, vibrational or emotional state. And when you do that, you start attracting things that are in the love category because like attracts like uh, within your life. You start gathering 
people and it's like uh you met somebody pretty interesting and all of a sudden they're becoming more incorporated in your life and you're like wow how did that happen it's like well because you <laughs> when you met them you were at a higher vibrational state you know that attracted them and said um analogy I like to use with people is um, are you on your mountaintop with your big light with your Y on it that's being shown to the world and people are scanning around the world and, and they see your light with your Y on it and go oh I'm interested in that I want to go over there and see what that's all about that's kind of that's, that's kind of happening when you live in a life of gratitude is people sense that energy around you. You want to come over to see what you're all about and get in a conversation and say, yeah, I, I want this person around in my village um, because I like what they have to say um, or do. And it supports my life the way I want it to be and helps to keep me at a, at a higher, higher vibrational life on a, as a practice on a consistent basis through my days. Absolutely. So you mentioned practices. What other routines or, or practices are, are non-negotiables for you? Oh, non-negotiables. As in you're going to try to do that most, uh, most days? Uh, meditation, just quiet. Um, I'm a spiritual person. Um, so I'm, I'm a firm believer the universe is a co-creator for with you, but you, you got to have – just like you want to be a co-creator with your wife or your spouse in, in creating your day, it takes the two of you sitting down and – having a conversation and somewhat of a negotiation to go, okay, we've got 12 hours, 16 hours in a day on a Saturday. What are we going to do with it? What's the weather like? What, what do we have an interest in? What kind of mood are we in? Da, 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 da. And you, you get this dialogue going back and forth between the two of you and you finally settle on what you're going to do today to create the day that you want for yourself. I'm the firm believer with that. You got to have that conversation and dialogue with the universe to, um, let the universe know what you want to do with your life. If you're the CEO of your life, what do you want to do with it? And mm. the universe doesn't make assumptions. It does not. <laughs> <laughs> all, all it wants is for there to be balance in your life and, and for you to be vibrating with love, unconditional love. That's what the universe wants. But it doesn't care what form it takes, you know, what path you take to be able to get there. It's like, oh, you want to take, you want to take Route 98 or you want to take I-75? It doesn't matter to me. I'll help you either way as long as you get to Chattanooga. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right? You know. All right, Andy, what's what's the big dream? Uh, the big dream? Uh, the big dream is helping people to move to a state of unconditional love. I mean, that's why I do what I do. Love that. Yeah, when uh, people, um, I sort of harp on people about um, going to a dinner party and people ask, um, so what do you do? You know, and the common answer is uh, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm an accountant, I'm a housewife. Job. It's their job or their career or whatever. And I, I, I always like to respond uh, either I change people's lives um, or, or I build things help people to build a life that they want for themselves or build a business or whatever. And it, it always opens up a conversation and dialogue and you never know what rabbit hole you're going to go down with a person, depending on where they are in life, as opposed to say, I'm a business coach. Right. Oh, okay. You know, 
it, it doesn't start a dialogue and I always try to encourage people to figure out what that little hook what that little hook is that when people ask you that question at a dinner party you can um, you know I have a chiropractor client and uh, hear, hear, hear me say that about um, I changed people's lives and he's now started using that for himself. Instead of saying I'm a chiropractor, he says, well, I changed people's lives. Well, it separates identity from what you do to who you are. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. even an opportunity for expanding on the be, do, and have conversation. It, it, it it's still a do. It's still a do, but it moves you closer to the B category, right? right. Well, it's a do focused on the B, right? Instead of right. so the many of us flavor. identify our career as who we are. And for many, that challenge is what, when they retire, it's a reason that they, they lose interest in life. And so many mm-hmm. people retire and die because their identity was so tied up in their career. And, and our identity is so much more. Um, who we are in the world can be so much more. And we can have so much bigger impact than just a, a title. Well, the, the, the why and how is so much more important than the what. You know, when you say I'm a lawyer or an accountant or whatever it is, you're talking about your what. This is what I do every day. In a job, that's your what. Well, okay. Well, what's your why and your how? Yeah, so much it says better. so much more about what's inside yourself than than opposed to what you what your career is. Love that, Andy. Thank you so much for hanging out today and having a conversation. Appreciate your wisdom and and your your air traffic and and aerospace experience and how you've tied that into into business coaching and and uh, just appreciate you sharing it with us today. Well, I greatly appreciate uh, your time and your invite to come on the come on your podcast. And thank you for generating your value in this world. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Chris Miles and Robert discuss how money works, why most people have so many misconceptions about money, which hold them back from generating wealth. We dig into some myths about money and why most people have been taught not to talk about it.